0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Wolfcast. This is the Vassals of Kingsgrave episode to discuss all things House of the Dragon. And we have a couple of editions of this. We have Krakencast, that is from the Asia-Pacific region. We have Dragoncast from the Americas. But Flying the Mighty Sword, House stark. We have Wolfcast from Europe. My name's at 7 and I will be your host today. And I'm gonna introduce you first to Sir Patrick the Tool, who is going to explain to you what on earth Vassals of Kingsgrave is and why we are wolf cast and the mighty history of the wolves. Over to you, Patrick.
1: Yeah. Okay,
2: okay, okay, okay.
1: Um, so you know House of the Dragons is sort of like a spin-off to a song a little series called Song of Ice and Fire or A Game of Thrones. Well, in the same fashion we also have the Vassals of Kingsgrave. Which originally came from. Uh... Oh my God. Okay, I'm blanked. Come on, help me, guys. Podcast of Ice and Fire. Oh, yeah. Okay, cut that out.
3: Shocking, shocking <laughs> lack of knowledge.
1: <laughs> yes. I know, right? <laughs> which is also a theme, which yeah. is also a theme from us. We are an offshoot of Podcast of Ice and Fire, which are four, sometimes five, very, very distinguished people who, uh, who reread the books and are very much into the the books of ice, songs of ice and fire a lot of us got into that by through the forums and at some point uh, they decided to have a podcast for uh, all us fans as well so we could give our two cents to all the things that happened and and when game of thrones came to the screens we decided to do our own podcast and yeah as you said we Divided into different regions. And uh, the best one, of course, is the Wolfcast. Ow. <laughs>
0: and we should explain that we're a community hosted podcast, which is why we have podcasters yes. from all over the world. So people from the West Coast of the US through to Australia, everyone in between, age ranges from teenagers up to 40s, 50s. Um, we're very hopefully welcoming. So if any of you are listening and have things to say, please hop onto our Discord server. You can find the link at vokpodcast.wordpress.com. You can find it on our Twitch channel. Search for VOK Podcast and you should come across it. And we'll be happy to see you to chat all things House of the Dragon. So to also just get rid of a bit of housekeeping. In this podcast, we will potentially ruin anything from House of the Dragon will potentially ruin anything from the published works of George R.R. R. Martin. But we're not actually going to ruin anything from Game of Thrones. So anything that was after the books ended, because one of our good friends who's on this podcast has not uh, completed it. And because Dragon, I think Dragoncast are going to talk about GOT. I'm not sure it's going to be that relevant anyway, but they're going to talk about it. You know, We'll have Wolfcast as a place where people who don't want to be ruined the end of GOT um, to come and feel safe and lovely. So with that, let me introduce our fellow podcasters in no particular order. Well, maybe as we were just talking about Nymeria, let's start with Nymeria. (laughs)
3: Yes, Uh, hi everyone, I'm Mary uh, Nymeria on our very own Discord, and yes, I am one of those people uh, who hasn't watched the end of Game of Thrones, because I don't want my first idea of what's going to happen to be the show, so uh, thank you, thank you for making uh, an effort to keep it uh, spoiler-free here, Uh, yay! (laughs)
0: It's a, very, it's a very understandable and admirable position that I also held for many years and then finally gave up the ghost <laughs> when I went on Iceland on a holiday and my best friend made me just watch it all because it was too annoying. <laughs> um, we also have, coming back to the podcast after quite a hiatus, but an OG, an OG Vokka from the single-digit
4: Vox, Tedard. Ard. <laughs> Hello. Um, Quentin's alive. <laughs> you, have to
0: say it, you have to say it properly, though.
4: I can survive!
0: (laughs) There you go. I love this podcast so much. Um, David, over
5: to you. Hi, I'm David, David HHH, on the Discord, and I don't know if the forums are sort of still there,
6: but yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Over to you, Bing.
6: Uh, I'm Bing, Shushiner, once upon a time, when I was still active in the forums. I believe my very first of these was with the Wolfcast. So I still claim to be part of the WolfCast, even though I've wandered into the other ones
2: as well.
0: Okay, um, over to Jock.
2: I have Jock. Uh, totally not creepy on the forums.
7: <laughs> Hannah. hey, Jock. it's Hannah. Uh, Winged Shadow on Discord. Shadow Baby on WordPress. I just wanted to correct David when he introduced himself, though. since this is WolfCast, you have to say, your name is David H-H-H. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> do everything proper. here.
0: I mean. And you do have to say a I mean, I have to say that, that the moment in the first episode where um, Matt Smith is like whipping up the, the city watch and they all start a gave just <laughs> gave me a very broad smile on my face. Right. Let's start off by going around the table and giving your lemon cake ratings out of five for this first episode. So short, snappy. Um, you know, one minute initial impressions, and then we'll get into the meat of the episode. So, starting with Bing.
6: Uh, I'll give it a 3.5. By all objective notions, it probably should be higher, something like a 4, 4.5. I just really get squished squished up by any surgeries, and the main big thing in this episode is a, essentially a. See, yeah, anyways, no. <laughs>
1: Spoilers. <laughs> Fair
0: enough, uh, David H How about you? Um,
5: I'll give it. I'll give it a four and a quarter. <laughs> like I liked it. I liked. It certainly is a visual upgrade from Game of Thrones. They've definitely, you know, the CGI is coming along nicely, and it looks gorgeous. And and it's very immersive in this world very quickly, which I liked. Um, I feel like people who haven't watched Game of Thrones can probably watch this and start to figure out what's going on. I hope, and you know, obviously there wasn't a lot of action or whatever, but I feel like I feel like it was a good setup. It did what it needed to do, and and definitely it felt so good to be back. You know, and it feels good for us to be back. So,
0: Jock, how about you?
2: Um, I think I'll give it three out of five. Um... Something I we really did appreciate was um, the theme of um, how um, society controls women's bodies in the first episode. I think that's quite um, a yeah. relevant uh, topic at the moment, unfortunately. Um,
0: on the money, as ever. Right. Um, yeah. Mary, what are your initial impressions?
3: I would give it a four. I really enjoyed it. I'm not too big on the violence and and c-section and stuff apart from that uh it was really well done and uh it's good to be in a fantasy show again so yay
0: yay eddie how about you uh
4: about three and a half out of five squicked out a bit um i don't think the like the tawny scene should have been quite so bloody because like they're all the um, upper class, and they wouldn't go around killing each other. I think. <laughs> I'll
0: say, Targaryen upper class.
4: Yeah, right. yeah. He was beating. Yeah, he was beating up Baratheons and like stuff, and like one guy didn't have a face. right. <laughs> 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 Not just yeah. one guy, right? Several like, guys. Yeah. yeah, several, several guys. Yeah. Fair
0: enough, uh, Patrick. Over to you.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, it was different. I think I give it, and we'll give it a three out of five. Um, and Ooh. actually yes um everything different is what takes it down i think actually they did a very good job in everything that was in the books that they brought it in very faithfully but when they whenever they had to flourish the flourish fell flat okay so so a three out of five i'm happy to see that they did some things really really well but i'm also unhappy about other things
7: how about hannah I'll give it a three point five. I'm not altogether gone on it yet. The one thing I noticed right away and appreciated deeply was the Iron Throne was a lot more accurate mm-hmm. to what's in the yes. world book than in the main series yeah, it looks it looks dangerous. It was like almost exactly right, and I really appreciated that change
0: welcome l and <laughs> What is your Lemon cake rating out of five, your just quick initial impressions of this new series?
8: I enjoyed it, but I am going to stick steadfastly at a four. Uh, excellent, stellar, but there were a few concerns. Um, I think it was actually brought up in the room about the prophecy. That kind of hit me upside the head a little bit. So there were some reservations there. Uh, but for the most part, um, pretty dang good. I thought they <laughs> overall stuck the landing.
0: Yeah, and I think when you when you read the comments on our Discord chat and in the community, it does feel that where people people are loving the CGI, they're loving the setting I and mean, being back in this world, where they do have reservations, it is about maybe the retconning of the prophecy and where they've gone a bit off piece. I personally would give this a solid four, four or and a half out of five. I cannot, for the life of me, remember Fire and Blood. I was never that into Targaryen. So I'm watching this almost as a Game of Thrones viewer who'd never read the books, just on its own terms. And I went back and watched season one of Game of Thrones. And it's so amazing like how many different like stories they have to weave into that episode. Whereas this is just a very simple episode, right? And I think I just loved it. I just loved being in the world. I loved seeing a proper tourney at big scale. Not what we had in Game of Thrones. And I'm willing to go with it. I'll, I'm willing to go with the retconning and so forth and judge it. Maybe at the end of the season, if I've seen it go really off piste. So, so far for me really good i mean i'm just very happy to be in this world so it feels like we're kind of cautiously optimistic if i would summarize the group i think what would be quite cool is if maybe we discuss the production values of it how it looks how it feels to watch how they put together the big scenes then talk a bit about the actors and the characters and whether they feel true to life and finally talk about the plot how much they decided to take in over this episode and where we start to see divergences and where they might be troubling. Does that sound like a plan to everybody? Yep. Cool. So, who wants to take it away on production values? Um, all I would say is I watched it on a massive TV and it looked in 4K. It looked flipping amazing. I just love. I think I think the CGI has come on great. The kind of the pan shots as the dragons flying over King's right. Landing. It just it felt like I was in a world and a thriving rich world and oh, yeah. i just loved being immersed in it um but how about you guys like the, the costumes the design how did it feel to you all
1: it really helped that it's all in in dolby atmos and dolby vision uh, so all the all the costumes they pop and everything and they made the dragons different colors so that they also you know play off of that extra color depth so that's good that's really good i've i've upgraded my own tv s- system recently so i have full uh, dolby atmos and that's nice when when actually s- some series uh, support it so so for that piece i'm very happy um and i think overall i don't i do not if they went down on budget on costumes i didn't notice it that i was looking really Closely to see—is it that—is—is there any visual downgrades from the costumes? And I couldn't see any, so I'm very happy about that. I really enjoy the costumes in Game of Thrones, so so I'm happy.
0: Yeah, and none of that dodgy wiggage that we had in early episodes, right? Like they just hit the ground running. Good.
5: Clearly, you know, Game of Thrones was the, you know, flagship show on HBO and they're treating this that way, like, you know, they're, they certainly are giving it the money that they didn't the first season of of Game of Thrones, but they did by the last season. So it looks really good. And if anything, you know, the CGI has, you know, evolved even better and everything, I mean, every costume, there's just so everyone's different. There's so many little details all over that are amazing you know it'll be interesting to see if that continues given you know with the whole merger and with the company trying to cut the budget and everything it'll be interesting to see if next season that continues i hope but
0: i think it'll just depend on the ratings won't it um right how did you all feel speaking of production i mean game of thrones had a pretty iconic theme tune and opening credits yep um how did you feel about the opening theme and credits of this one i was disappointed
8: Personally.
5: I'm wondering if next week we'll get it. It'll be back to normal. Interestingly, though, that they did use the theme for the closing credits.
4: <laughs> they did slip the theme in under the radar a few times.
3: Yeah, I, I was about to say right. just yeah. just so that we're sure we're watching the right show, mm-hmm. right? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Did they also put a f- uh, like a few notes from Reigns of Castamir in at some point? Uh, I noticed that too. Yeah, so uh, so they they've just trying all the <laughs> as hard as they can <laughs> just to remind us this is um the the dragons uh, and and, <laughs> and things it is it's the same thing you know from the other time. Don't yeah. freak
0: out because there's no stocks and people from the north.
8: Yeah. Um. So, of course, I was looking for a grand opening credits like all of you guys, everyone else. But what really hit me was it was like a bronzy golden dragon. And I was like, well, isn't Aegon II, because of Sunfire, isn't his a sigil a golden dragon? What are they doing? Like My head just went immediately to that. And, I mean, obviously, it may not be nothing. And... You know, I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself. But immediately, I went to that. Like, why are they showing a gold dragon? I love it. We're in
0: the nursery already. Let's just take a pause and welcome. We have some new joiners. So welcome, Xander. Do you want to introduce yourself to the, the new listeners?
9: Hi. It's me. I'm late. <laughs> Xander. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Xander, what's
0: your, uh, what's your lemon cake rating out of five for this episode? And why? Very brief.
9: I'm going to go four out of five. Because... You know, I didn't. I didn't watch the Game of Thrones show all the way, but this this feels like a song and vice and fi- a song, vice and fire. This feels right.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, so it feels like basically we all love the production design. We'll wait. We'll pass judgment on how they use the opening theme next week, and we'll stay tuned to whether we like or don't like what they're doing with the dragons in general. Though I would say dragons are and There's a lot of them, so <laughs> that is pretty cool. On to the cast and the actors, actresses. Do you guys have any favorites so far? Any people who you thought really looked like how they were in the books or anyone that you thought, oh, I don't like
8: that bit of casting. That's just not
0: working for me. Elle, do you want to go first?
6: Uh,
8: yeah, um, I liked Becerra, surprisingly. Um, I, you know, the stills, I was kind of underwhelmed, but I actually end up really kind of really liking him and just on top of the whole like costuming and setting Everyone's wigs looks a million times better than Game of Thrones.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
8: <laughs> the Targaryen wigs, I don't know who they went to go see about the wigs, but I'm very, very relieved because um, a huge improvement from Game of Thrones. I agree.
7: Also, you can tell we're in a very different time period just with the fashion. So I appreciated yeah. that. Um, and I absolutely loved the God'swood. I was like, "Can we just stay mm. here for the rest of that? Oh, this is gorgeous." Yeah, the heart tree that sort of panned through the leaves down it was really stunning. Yeah, just took was my breath away. Really beautiful, and it felt huge, like it should. Whereas I think we see it one time in the main series, and it was very narrow. And so mm. I just I really appreciated how grandiose that God'swood is in the Red Keep, as it should be. Um, and then as far as casting goes. I'm still struggling with seeing the doctor. <laughs> <in> yeah, <there.
5: laughs> definitely. I,
7: I, like, it's like the poor Harry Potter kids are always going to be the Harry Potter kids. And he's kind of that for me. Um, so but he, say. I mean, to, he's to me, he's in the
0: crown. So, Oh,
7: uh, well, and speaking of the crown, it looks like they're going to do like an age up on Rhaenyra and, um, Alicent, Hightower coming this season, I think. So that, that'll be interesting when they get recast
0: gosh um uh patrick you wanted to speak about otto hightower and the casting of of him
1: i'm sorry i don't like it he does not look lordly and nothing and i i, I really like the actor but i just don't like him in this role um that's simply just it's maybe it's a dissonance between what i imagined i imagine someone was actually looks like he has had money for for the whole, <laughs> whole of his life uh, and not someone what does who's someone been...
0: who's had money for their whole life look like
1: well uh, oh, sli- 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 slightly more, more plump and and better teeth i guess i'm sorry but that's
7: no <laughs> <laughs> so i disagree uh, patrick i think it's a juxtaposition of here's a person with wealth and, and extreme privilege but it's the office that just takes the years off you and makes you lose weight from all the stress. Like, even if you're serving a decent king, it's still a very high-stress job. So I kind of liked that he looked a little disheveled and sort of hadn't seen his bed in a while in most of the scenes.
0: Xander, you also don't like Otto Hightower. Can you put your finger on why, or is it just a vague, this isn't working for me?
9: So it was it was weird when I was watching the episode... For some, as soon as the episode started, I was like, I forgot everything that happened. Me <laughs> um, too. <so> it it <laughs> was yep, kind of yep. like, as I'm watching and learning these characters again, I'm like, all right, who's who's this? Who's that? Who's that? Because um, yep. I do, I love Viserys, man. That yeah, he's playing that so well. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it's like, because we never got, we never really got H- High Towers on the page or anything, so we don't. We don't really have, like, a distinction to them like we would Baratheons or Starks or Targaryens or something. So I think it is just off-putting, like, trying to figure out what the Hightower thing is.
0: Yeah. Jock, do you want to speak to Alicent Hightower?
9: I'm not
2: very familiar with Lactress. In terms of a sort of subjective view, I'm not very um, knowledgeable in terms of, like, acting from, like, an objective framework. Uh, But in terms of, like, the subjective, like, the... Way she expressed feelings and um, the situations that she was in, I felt was the only really good.
0: Yeah, and I think they really sold the friendship between these two girls that's going to go so horribly wrong. And you see that she's just a girl, and that the idea that she's going to then, you know, get married off to Viserys is kind of disgusting. But Hannah, Valyrian, speak to us.
7: Uh, so I really, one thing that struck me right away is when Rainier starts speaking in Old Valyrian mm. mm-hmm. and yep. then yep. the episode, it was so. the accent and everything was so much more thick. And I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but if they did, it's brilliant because when we are hearing it spoken in GOT, it would naturally be even more diluted after a hundred years. And there's only so many people Mm -hmm. that speak it. And so I, I noticed that right away, how thick the accent was and how hard she hit some of the syllables and things. And I, I just love that. So I'm hoping it was a conscious choice and not just uh, somebody taking their own license. Like I would hope that that stays through the series when we're hearing it.
0: I think that's a really acute point about how accents and particularity will get diluted over the
1: years. I'm just going to say that my one of my theories was, has now been confirmed that they do use Valyrian as a court language. Mm. Equal measures as Westerosi so this actually confirms that it would have been it it's been it would be common tongue to speak to each uh to other targaryens with that tongue and i, and I like that i like that because it it, it like reflects how it is it was historically also in 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 courts in throughout europe that you would have a court language would be which would be different from the the mm-hmm. common language
0: yeah that's a really great point Speaking of accents, more parochially, did any of you notice that the uh, the young actress who I thought was really impressive otherwise, who plays uh, Rennis, so she's actually Australian in real life, and I Millie Olcock, and I don't know if it's because I knew that, but I felt that there were certain moments in the first episode where I could feel her Australian accent leaking through. And it really took me out of the episode. And it's that's the only kind of acting choice that I just like. I can see why they cast her because she really looks like a younger version of the actress who's going to play the older version. I just felt the Australian accent was leaking through. Did anyone else notice that? Or is that just me being uber picky?
1: I think I noticed it, but I didn't want to because, you know, Nicolai Costevaldo and Peter Dinklage both had like accents seeping through in their performances. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair
0: enough. We've got form on this, I suppose, so it doesn't really matter. Any anything else on any of their performances?
4: Everyone knows they will run um, those hats with the corks hanging off in Valeria. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: <Yeah.
7: dear.
6: laughs> I don't know how to um, follow so up on, like, on that. <laughs> but
7: um
6: Not oh, I...
7: but oh I'm sorry, go ahead.
6: Okay, yeah, sorry, just I think one one I don't know if this is gonna be a problem this series is gonna have going forward. I think the what stands out in comparison between the cast of this show versus Game of Thrones, the first episode, there's not that sort of huge standout performances, right? I mean, oh, do you not Peter, do
0: you not think uh, Matt Smith as Damon? Mm-hmm. Is? I mean, he's got a bit of that yeah. sort of. Yeah, has a swagger.
6: little I guess, but it's not like Peter Dinklage, right? It's not like iconic, instantly iconic as Peter Dinklage, or even mm-hmm. uh, uh, or, or even some somebody like I don't know the Hound. Or the the, the, the physics dragon Aria. something like something like that, right? Game sort of Thrones in, in the first the first season, the first episode of Game of Thrones, they sort of set in stone this iconic characters almost instantly, and it's well, unfair. I would
0: argue, as someone who's literally just two days ago watched all of season one, that actually in episode one they didn't because they had so many people to introduce. You sure. saw about I, a sentence yeah. of Arya and about a sentence of. of- um, but at least they, they, right?
6: they established those characters pretty well with just these few sentences. I think, again, going back to Game of Thrones, I think is a little bit different now because we sort of already too, become too familiar with those characters. But as sort of introduction, especially to an audience, if we're, we're talking about an audience who's not familiar with mm. this, especially the, all these characters, I'm not sure, other than maybe Matt Smith, and maybe, and, and definitely, I think the series is the one that does sort of stand out that's the that's the character that really just stood out in going yeah it's probably otherwise, a good point I otherwise i don't know Coyle's valerian for this episode i don't really you get a little bit of auto high tower but it's it's too it's still maybe a little bit too subtle mm. the, 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 i, think, the, I um, think we'll
0: find out in due course yeah. i think i think it's probably sure. a bit um mm-hmm. yeah i think it's probably worth sort of waiting and seeing how it goes should we talk a bit about how much of the sort of explicit stuff there is, Jock? You wanted to make the point about Matt Smith. Do you want to make that
2: point? In the first episode, it doesn't seem like too much, but um, in terms of post-production, Matt Smith has uh, gone on accuracy, and there's uh, he's yet to do a bit too much in terms of sex scenes. So I don't know what's Oh really? Going to... Yeah. But, uh... I mean, it's
0: kind of it's interesting though, because actually, what struck me from that first episode was even when there were sex scenes which there wasn't that much of it was mostly like sort of like the odd male ass. there wasn't it wasn't
3: mm-hmm. didn't
0: feel as exploitative as early all of game of thrones really <laughs> and it was much more violence than it was sexual violence or sex which felt thank it, i was just really thankful for that so let's see where it goes to
1: i would i thought that already like wasn't like the first few episodes that they had had that many uh you know or how scenes uh but already they're out there <laughs> right. doing the, the whole thing the sex position what what bothers you my prince stuff like that and it's like ah oh, come on do <laughs> I, I i already get flashbacks from uh from from game of thrones right. that was one of the things that irked me the most actually the the scenes and in, in that huh. i know I, I know that they had to do one of them with the the uh, air of the day that was necessary and good that they had it but apart from that i wasn't for it
0: i wonder if they feel caught between two stalls because there's clearly the people who disagreed with it last time but also presumably they must think a lot of the popularity of the show was because of it last time and it's hbo right so maybe they feel they have to
7: part of that she becomes pretty major character right the white worm that's that she becomes uh damon's mistress of whispers Yeah, yeah so they had to introduce her right um I mean, if that's supposed to be her. Yeah.
6: I don't remember those books. Was Myceria that big of a character in the books?
7: Yeah, that's
8: her.
6: Okay. I know she becomes sort of something important, like a bigger, more important position or something like that or whatever, but I don't remember what she actually was in the books. Right. Well, at least yeah. that makes
5: that scene less gratuitous, you know? It, it, what. It felt if you don't know if you don't know where it's going, it felt pretty gratuitous to me. Like I mean I I knew so like you know what I mean? It's like it feels if 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 you're a casual viewer, you're probably like, ah, oh, we're getting we're getting a gratuitous sex scene
7: here. Great. It's Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, and overall in this episode they seem to be really building up Damon mm-hmm, and yeah. his, you know, motivations and archness a lot. So oh, yeah. He's he's clearly the kind of the big the big guy of all of this his helmet at that tourney that's like almost exactly the helmet that in the world book at the last page Rhaegar is wearing in his battle against Robert
0: oh, okay.
7: I know yes. yeah
0: you guys are so much more eagle-eyed than me I'm, I'm right. very much watching this as a sort of very casual pathetic sort of normie
3: <laughs> um, I'm not alone Bina I'm I'm, I'm doing the same <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of enjoying it. It's, it's quite liberating not getting, like, super stressed out about every last thing, I have to say. Um, anything more on characters you like or dislike at this stage?
8: Maybe it's just too early. First episode, in. Well, I already hate Otto Hour. you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> Such a punchable face, yeah. and I, I hate that I'm already <laughs> bled because reading it, you know, the story and knowing what's happening, I think maybe if I didn't, I wouldn't feel that way. But immediately when he right. comes on screen, I am just
4: angry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that we already start to sort of sympathize with uh with Damon, right? Or at least think he's mm. fair. No, well, he's we. We if we if we keep on seeing this much of him, it's, it's going to be natural that at least if, if a lot of people will find him as to be the protagonist of the story, along with uh, yeah. I, I and, don't feel and, they set him up that way though.
5: No, I don't feel like yeah, they set him up that way on this show. I, I mean, I, no, I, but, I but they, definitely they, the antagonist.
1: But they did the same with Peter Dinklage, and 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 this is it is meant for them to them to be ambiguous. But I I like I like I just like that a bit about it because. Um I think that's basically the whole point of uh, Rogues, wh- how the story about the Damon Targaryen was introduced in Rogues is because we're supposed to think about how when people become the protagonist and how they, you know, even though they don't follow the rules and they're, you know, violent and stuff like that, we tend to, you know, end up being invested in in those characters, even though they're not actually likable or shouldn't be mm-hmm. likable.
5: I don't know if I'd agree um, in terms of this episode, I feel like they were definitely setting him up as the antagonist. I mean, for one thing, which I, am I again, haven't read the books in a long time, so I don't know if it's a change, but it felt like a change to me that, you know, the entire setup of why he decides to name his daughter as the heir is to stop Damon. Like, it's 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 all in terms of him as opposed to because I love my daughter and I want her to be. I want her to have the power. It was definitely like a this guy's bad. He's trouble. They all, all my advisors, are saying he can't be king. So, like it, I don't know. I feel like he's definitely being set up to be the rogue in, in this episode at
1: least. But a charming rogue. So,
5: yeah,
3: uh, yeah. That's know. that's the I point, know. right? I, I think it's yeah. it, it is it isn't not as clear. Like he is very much um, like we see how violent he he is right. and. All of that, but he's also very charismatic, right? A lot of people um, admire him, so I think they are walking um, a very uh, thin line of not making him too much of an antagonist uh, for now.
8: And either way, he is—I guarantee—going to be a fan favorite, audience-wise. People are going to love him.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure of that as well.
1: Westerosi Loki. <laughs> right. There you go. There, you, there go. you go. That's a
8: good one. Okay, guys,
0: shall we move on to the um, the plot and what was covered? Because it felt like a lot of ground was covered in this first episode, but um, in a pleasing way, maybe for me anyway.
5: One thing, so I, just, you... one, one last okay. character thing I wanted to say, just before I forget. In, in terms of characters that stood out, I remember when I I watched this with um with am sorry, I watched this um with uh, Michal and Kevin last night um in New York and both Michal and I were were drawn out by how hot Sir Kristen Cole was. <laughs> like it was just a moment it of like was. we were looking we we're like wow. Like you know normally you expect that on Game of Thrones but it was just this one we were all like ooh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's,
8: appara-
4: he's apparently he's Dornish.
8: And that tripped me out too. And like
4: Dornish? Yeah, I t- I t- yeah. um I look. it took me about three looks and I thought, "Oh yeah, he could be a bit Dornish." <laughs>
0: Okay, folks, so the the plot summary for episode one, and we can do it in chunks and then talk about how we feel about it. So let's do the prologue. So we've opened with Old King Jaehaerys Targaryen and his sons, Princess Aemon and Balon, being dead. So the succession has to be decided between two grandchildren, the first candidate being a woman, Princess Rhaenys Targaryen, who's married to Lord Corlys Velaryon. And obviously, the person who wins is the boy, Prince Viserys Targaryen, who is actually younger than her, but is a boy and is married to Lady Emma Arryn. Um, so there you go. That's basically the sort of the the prologue. We then move into nine years Later* into basically another succession crisis, where we have Viserys being married to Emma, failing to have um, male children. She's currently pregnant. He's holding a big tawny. He expects imminently to announce good news. He's forced to make a decision between her and the child. Ultimately, both die anyway. And then he realises that rather than trying for a male heir, he should recognise that his daughter um, is actually the one who has the ambition and he should have spent more time with her, training her up to be his heir. So that's kind of like the succession plan. Meanwhile, in the wings, you've got um, the heir that maybe feels he should have been the crown prince, Daemon um, Targaryen, who is back in town when he shouldn't be um, stirring up shit with a city watch, fighting in a tawny, causing all manner of havoc, um, and generally being seen as a rebel and a rogue. So Viserys basically banishes him at the end of the episode um, and decides to get everyone to swear allegiance to his daughter, but clearly is setting up problems for the future. Anything big I missed there? How, how did you guys feel about the amount of substance they covered in this episode and the choice of starting? I mean, the story goes back and it goes forward, right? So that The decision to start this series at this point is quite a bold, not a bold one, but it's a choice. You know, there are many other choices. And the decision to sort of tell this particular arc uh, is nothing to discuss. And then finally, the decision to give the daughter the motivations that she has in mm-hmm. feeling as a sort of spurned, female daughter which isn't quite as strong in the book. So I don't know if you guys want to start with the decision on starting there is where they start. Any thoughts on that?
1: It's very important to have it. So I I I, I think it's a good idea to just show quickly. Yes, it's a it's a it's a question about succession and yes there was one time it could have happened instead of just having to reference it off-screen. I think it was very important that they brought that in. Yeah, I'm I'm happy actually with with the choice of of that. Yeah.
7: I would have liked to see a little more of the council. When the show very first started, I thought, okay, cool. We're going to get that like Lord of the Rings, fellowship of the Rings, long ass prologue, you know, Mm. and, and maybe they don't have time for it. It just, as a, as a personal thing, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that, a little more set up. Um, But maybe they'll go back and kind of reference it a little more too, like, we could get some flashback, it you never know. Now.
0: Yeah. Um, anyone not like the starting point? Kind of made sense to me. I also mm-hmm. thought that the arc in the show, made the arc in the episode made sense to me. The only bit that I found, it didn't feel too rushed. Did anyone find it rushed? Like, I don't know. No, it
6: was good. I think yeah. the pacing was pretty good.
0: No. Nope. Yeah. The only bit I found a bit weird, apart from the retconning of prophecy, and we will get there, is... which of you finds it weird the sort of the motivations around the daughter because from what i remember of the books it didn't feel like Mm -hmm. it was this whole gender thing but david do you want to speak to that or Mm -hmm.
5: yeah i mean i i I definitely feel like they're changing a lot of the not the actual facts but like the opinions and what and motivations here you know like i like i said i think changing daemon into being the reason for the change for the for the uh appointment you know of her and and her being you know she like in the book she's the realm's delight and everyone loves her and so it almost makes sense that that she would be the heir but here it's definitely like they're going for the they're going for you know the the gender politics of it which which for for these days that we live in might be better for the audience we'll see but it's definitely a change and we'll see how that and and if and how that domino effect affects the rest of the
8: show. And that's one reason why I did not give it all five that it <laughs> I feel like it sullied Rainier. Like, yes, she was the rims, the rims, the light. There really wasn't a whole lot of, you know, gender uh, Hufflepuff about it. And I just feel like. You know, the audience is coming in with this, you know, she's got this. It's all because I am I was a girl and, you know, I have this grudge just because I'm a girl as opposed to this was kind of already settled, guys. And then these intervening factors completely turned it on its head. So it
1: was line. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just asking to support you. Why was Lionel Strong the one who's most against the idea?
8: Yeah, there was another thing, but I, he was so, um, why is he so vocal? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how, why that stuck out like that.
1: Also, he didn't look like a fighter. He didn't look like Lionel Strong as he was descri- described in the book. No. But, uh, but yeah, so, not my, hashtag not my Lionel Strong.
8: <laughs> I feel like it kind of put a pall on her that... Um, for good or for bad, I mean, you know, like, maybe this is a good thing and they kind of want to drive it home in these kind of times and kind of like, hey, this patriarchy thing is not great because look what happens. But I don't know. I don't feel quite right about it.
3: Yeah, I think it, it gives her something specific to um, latch on and know about her personality that maybe wasn't necessary um, and is indeed not quite um as maybe pure as it could have been uh, with her just being the natural and uh, the natural air the one we feel is is uh should be there
8: it kind of gives her this old like Cersei vibe with you know it's just because I'm a girl and you know like you Mm -hmm. said this was a this was supposed to happen it was nice and settled law you know this is not the reason why she's fighting so hard she's fighting so hard she's going to fight so hard because this was right like she was it was she was wronged Essentially, not because she was yeah. a woman, but because she was literally, you know, usurped.
3: I mean, I'm, I'm, I would think that it is also because because she was a woman, but um, right. that mm-hmm. that is going to come up anyway. Yeah, like, it is going to be an issue in a in a in plot point in the in the series, right? It, it is going to be uh, about h- how a woman cannot be a uh, queen uh, on the Iron Throne, so. It, it doesn't feel uh, necessary to me to make it a point for her whole reason for fighting mm-hmm. and, and for her whole development, uh, I think. Yeah, I agree.
5: I was okay with it personally, but <laughs> I like
1: it. Uh, it. It also seemed like she didn't want to be king or ruler, or she at least like was okay with not being it.
6: I think I don't think that she was okay with it. I think she was just sort of At one point, resigned.
1: My my point is, book Renara would not have been. She would have been like, no, no, seriously. I am the only one. There is no idea. She would be. She has the same idea that Damon has. That's why they're so compatible
6: so again i'm very very fuzzy and maybe this is to my benefit that i'm really fuzzy on these books and i really don't care as much about these books (laughs) as maybe Uh, some of you guys do whatever i don't even know remember what alan strong was supposed to look like (laughs) in the books i'll be honest but so to this point do the books actually go into Rhaenyra's childhood as much as they do in the show in the first episode and has she always been like this in the books because this is something that that she, she could very much grow into the, the, the sort of, yeah. the, that sort of pr- privileged uh, position.
1: Yeah, but she's a grown adult. She's She looks adult. There's a mo- mother version, like a, a, one who's believable I... as a mother, which she is not, of course. But she is, well, she does not look 13 or fo- 14 or whatever.
6: I think those characters never look 13, 14, but she's supposed to be young. And, I, mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, so she's no, supposed I'm... to be young in this episode, right?
1: <laughs> okay, but my, my point is, if she were brought up with the idea of her being the natural heir, she would act a different way. But also, I was just putting it, put it down now uh, because it doesn't matter. We'll see what happens. I just also want to apologize right away for saying that a niece and, his uncle, and her uncle are compatible. Uh, it's, it's, it's really creepy, I know, but it's, it's sadly to say it's part of the story.
0: It kind of feels like on this episode, if no other, we should spend a few minutes talking about Emma Aaron and the choice to maybe age her up in the casting. Mm-hmm. And just in general, her role in this story as this poor sort of woman whose OD kind of job is to be a broodmare. And maybe even just tr- more trivially, the pronunciation of her name. So who wants to have at it or never?
7: <laughs> Emma. <laughs> right. As in Amon and Damon. <laughs> And that's
2: all I got. <laughs> um, I feel like there's a trend throughout George R. R. Martin's work that um shows um what is generally considered um underage marriages to be um not just bad as in an indicator of the people involved as being uh, bad, but as in bad for my sociological view. In this view, like um Emma. Um, I give him birth at 15 um, after multiple miscarriages. is obviously seen as a travesty and is generally um, used as an indicator about the series is not a good person, but also um, it causes um, pretty much the downfall of the Targalians. And likewise, like Tillian with Pycha when he was 13, uh, Jamie and Cersei when they were young. Uh-huh. And various other examples we have the whole thing such as Daenerys and Cald Roll being the most uh, prominent one. Um, and I feel yeah. like by aging her up it loses a lot of that um, storytelling.
6: How
0: far are they caught between a rock and a hard place in that? Because when they don't age them up, we're like, Oh, it's so creepy, oh you know, Dinky just creeping on right. Sansa and, and then when they do age right. them up, we're like, Oh, but that was the point that George R. M. Martin was trying to make about how exploited mm-hmm. young girls and young women were so I totally take your point, Jock, and I kind of agree with it, but I just sort of feel my word. If you were, if you were the producer, um, it's a very, very tricky place to be.
1: Right. i definitely go for less icky.
8: <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, for everyone who read Fire and Blood, th- or at any point,
7: did we have a description, a physical de- description of Ama? I don't think so, mm. but I believe there's a picture of her in the world book um, there's also a picture of Rhaenyra and both of them are ungodly, unrealistically beautiful. They look like gods. Okay. I just um
8: you know, she had Targaryen hair and I couldn't remember the ancestry if she was maybe half Targ, half um Aaron, and just came out with she, platinum hair. I um and I didn't get a chance to go she, and research. She's,
6: yeah, she's half Targaryen. Okay.
7: Yeah. She's da Dayla Targaryen's Daughter, I, uh... Is Rhaenyra really eight when Emma dies,
3: Mary? Well, uh, unless i am very bad at math. I—I th- I think so. She's supposedly born in eighty-seven. Um, Emma dies in uh, one hundred five.
7: Rhaenyra is born in ninety-seven.
3: Yeah, and and Emma Arryn—I uh, mean her mom—dies in by the end of one hundred five. So,
7: gosh. It
0: kind of makes I it mean, more absurd in the books that people are being asked to swear fealty to her because ultimately, yeah. in, in the TV show, it's kind of like, why do they need to like screw her over and support a guy? Because actually, she, okay, she's young, but she's capable. But if it's eight, then you get it more because then it's it's not even someone even capable of ruling by virtue of age, let alone by virtue of sex.
3: I'm so, guessing that there's some something to be said about Viserys naming her, I think probably they didn't have to name an uh, uh in such a clear way before so they didn't have any traditional ceremony where everyone swears fealty whereas here he wants to make a point so he has that hmm. I mean in any case that she she's definitely older in in the series but I think the point about the fact that Maybe the way she's portrayed now in the series isn't so far off from the book because we don't really see her uh, that young in a book. Stands like uh, she she could grow into feeling entitled and being I'm the air. I've always been the air because if you've been air since you were eight, that's kind of like how you're gonna feel. Mm.
8: I wonder if Um Viserys, like in the books, later on when. He gets challenged by the Greens or the High Tires, whatever, about changing the succession. And a lot of times he was just like very how adamant he was in the book. So wonder are they going to kind of follow that in the show?
7: I have to imagine they would. I mean, so far we've seen a lot of like there's a few verbatim quotes from the world book when Damon says, in the veil, men fuck sheep because the sheep are prettier than their women. That's the direct. <laughs> right? I yeah. love that. calling it white, the bronze bitch, you know? So I hope they're drawing off the source material a lot more heavily than the other people who shall not be named <laughs> were, you know, by, by the, when they ran out of source material, they were just like, fuck it. We'll, we'll do whatever we want. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you have all this source material. Just stick to it. Do the thing.
6: I don't think the source material is very good. <laughs> I feel like they should <laughs> they should feel free to this is this is this is the weird thing in comparison with Game of Thrones and Son of Ice and Fire. Son of Ice and Fire is a very good source material. It's, unfortunately right. doesn't have an end. Doesn't have an ending, so they have to make it up. Okay. But they started deviating much earlier and when they deviate, it tend to go really, really bad. It pales significantly in comparison to the original work. In this case, Iron blood's not a very good book (laughs) (laughs) my my purely subjective opinion and i feel like they should go way Um, off as much as fun as as much fun as they want with this as they can i'm sorry i think i made someone drop off the card even but yes i
0: completely agree who wants to be the opposing view and we should end on that final opposing view because i'm with bing on this one i'm like writers have at it you clearly have passion for this material you respect this world you go for it who is on the opposing side of that argument
4: <laughs> i don't think i'm on the opposing side but i wanted to make a point about the um, point of views uh, yeah go for diff- it go
0: for it point I'm of views in game book.
4: of thrones and um fire and blood are vastly different because um right. fire and blood was supposed to be um second hat from second hand knowledge from a maester I was trying to listen to the audiobook. It's so fucking boring for the first bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Game of Thrones is all first person from various points of view, so you get all
1: the context. So, so I would say that that's what basically would basically be my point, but also to say that if if you want to write within genre, I think it does it very well. That you don't enjoy those kind of books, being that's just your problem, actually.
6: Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, well uh, okay. <laughs>
9: I, there you I, go. There you
6: go. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I read real history yeah. too much to actually enjoy fake
1: history. As much, oh, but, okay. Yeah. So you're. Yeah. But,
6: but the point is this, is, this is this is not so much about genre material, genre whatever. You're trying to translate a book into a TV drama. You can't translate one to one. Boring masters speaking, doing a chron- doing. They're doing doing, doing. doing a chronicle esque of course not into drama right? of, of so course it, not babe. already from the starting point you cannot stick one to one and no the writing has to change significantly from that. and characterization in that case has to change and when that when that's the case you have a of course you use, use the book as a reference but you can get a lot more creative because the characters frankly as they're written and maybe that's and again for sure whatever genre whatever that's the way it intended, but the characters as written in those books are extremely boring.
1: I would say that for uh, Game of Thrones, you would also have a difference. You have to do it differently because you don't have the the actual inner thoughts of the characters running through, like Blade Runner or whatever. You don't have that going going through there. So you you can't do this you can't do the same thing there either. It has to change, and that I think that's makes like basically AM, this discussion yeah, new. Still change that. I
6: feel yeah, like Infinite uh, did a very good job of changing that up until season five six, in which yeah. things went off the rails.
1: I'm just saying the one thing they and the one way they that went around that whole, whole inner thought in a monologue was to have sex position, having people have yeah. sex and talking about their stuff. So I'm saying that they changed a lot. They're in in the in the original series, and and naturally, you cannot have a mace or sit in, sit there. That's that's a, a whole <laughs> different kind of show. But being faithful to the, the the lines that different characters are quoted to say, I think that's important. And and it, and I want want yeah. to say that they did it very well.
7: I get where Bing is coming from as far as like it's a textbook, and who wants to sit and read a textbook? Basically. I think in the world book because it's a lot more concise, so you get all the same beats as Fire and Blood, but it's not as dense, right? It's just the highlight. Sure, there's a lot from like Maester Gladwin and all these maesters weighing in, but you go a little off the rails when you start adding Mushroom and like weigh, right. like relying heavily on his accounts, and it gets a little more spicy. So, I think if they uh, amalgamize certain things or augment them. I don't have a problem with that. I'm saying you have these major plot points. There's plenty of material to deal with. You don't need to add in other nonsense and characters that never existed and never happened. That's what I'm hoping doesn't occur in this series.
1: I agree. Oh,
3: yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. That's yeah. um, Same. I agree with that as well. I just think like whether or not we think *Fire and Blood* is a is a good book or an, an, an entertaining book to read, it's just that like the dance part is long in the book but it it is still quite short compared to six books uh, or five books of A Song of Ice and Fire so there's bound to be missing ingredients there as for um, as to our characters motivations and personalities right it's just uh, it's not as detailed as uh, A Song of Ice and Fire was so I think there's a bit more room for new things to appear in the show, and I'm fine with that.
7: the The biggest thing is that this has an ending. It has a, a point A and a point B to get to. Now that doesn't have to be a straight line.
0: Haunting us, us, stop wrapping it in.
7: My words. <laughs> Do <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this, oh, look, this this, this one's has got an ending. and and i i find myself a little more invested in like when i first read the world book i read it twice like back to back because it was something concrete i don't know it just was a relief from still guessing and theorizing and the only real mystery left in the world book is like summer hall you know (laughs) i i just think again like if you're doing A show based on a source material, you should stick to it as closely as humanly possible. Now, I understand like contracts and time, and it's a business that you're running. So, there are other considerations in production, but like piss poor planning on the part of production does not constitute an emergency on my part as a consumer of that product. So, have a solid plan, hit those highlights, and you know, just stick to it. You can move pieces around the board and you can splash it with a little flare but stick to the source material you know what i mean
1: the play has already been written
0: is that a happy note upon which to end it feels (laughs) like we've come to a a, a happy ending maybe Uh, i should rephrase that so it's less lewd we've come to a copacetic end to this podcast (laughs) does anyone else have anything burning they want to say on this topic or any other topics prophecy hard to Prophecy.
1: Yeah, we still, oh, still talking. That's the point. We gotta have that. Night. We gotta okay, guys, we gotta end has... on a nerdy note. <laughs> 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 so that was my main cringe moment in the whole episode. I I I knew I knew that she would the character that is uh, is important. I'm, I don't remember her name. The the prostitute who says what What's the problem, my prince? I knew that was gonna happen. And I but this prophecy, having him standing there saying it's a secret that's why no one has ever talked about it before uh, <laughs> uh that that was so bad and I, I i don't mind it being referenced but it's just like this is a it's so obvious that it was the first episode they needed to make sure that everyone even the stupid people though there, there are no although there are no stupid people listening to this podcast of course <laughs> um knew that this was related to game of thrones and it it's it irked me.
0: In defense, this is an incredibly mm-hmm. valuable piece of intellectual property for a series that ended a while ago, and this property does not have that much to do with that property. Do you mm-hmm. not begrudge Do not begrudge them a little bit of trying to link one to the other and retain an audience? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, isn't that kind of the price we pay like we look at this beautiful thing we're praising the cgi we're praising the costumes these amazing actors the amount of money they've lavished on it for a first season they're paying money that you don't pay normally for a first season and i kind of feel the price of that commercially is that they're going to try and retcon something to make it look more game of thrones prequel and we just got a deal Runs no. in no. hide.
1: no
5: <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was okay with it i mean I, the prophecy was known all this time right and that and that that's what Aegon wanted, and why he came, why he came to Westeros, and that all the kings since then have known that and are trying to build to protect us from the others. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like for one thing, it's not stated in the books. But then again, it wouldn't be because how would the Maesters, who are getting this information, know about it? But I mean, I think it's hinted at, and and I think a few of us mentioned in in the um, Discord last night that that it's hinted. That that might be the case. So I mean, I think I think now since we're not using a third person historical like uh, we read this, it's it's you know we we have first person accounts. They're there in front of us. So I mean, I feel like it makes sense to make it more explicit if, in fact, that's what George was intending, which I think he was. So if he was, then it makes sense to just say it. And obviously they can know if he, that was what he was intending because he can tell them.
0: <laughs> yeah, presumably they they just asked him. I mean, he's he's been right. on the record saying how much he loves this season, right. how much he loves this show, how in tune he feels with the authors. I feel if something like this big is happening, you may or may not like it because, hey, there's shit tons of things George Lucas did with Star Wars that I don't like, even though he's the owner of it. Right. Um, right. But I, I actually kind of feel like this is a commercially necessary move, but also one that is probably sanctioned by him. Runs away and hides again.
1: I agree. I agree. It's, imp- it's plausible that he said okay for it. I don't think that he necessarily thought that was the point of Aegon's conquest. To begin with, I, there's no real... I don't see any hints that Aegon wasn't anything but an entitled dragon lord. And uh, having people acting up and saying, hey, can you help me with your dragons? Was basically what spurred him on to say, well, no, fuck you, I'm going to take the whole thing instead. <laughs> I don't think Targaryens do anything for the good of the world, honestly. So Yeah, it's... but this
0: is coming down with your and my, my almost
7: pathological Targaryen hate.
0: Uh, Hannah, you had a good point to make about how they could have done this in the prologue in a more elegant way, maybe?
7: the ice of fire thing prophecy it felt a little shoehorned in at the end so i I feel like it's something that either could have waited for the second episode or like i was saying a little more of the council a little more extended prologue um again akin to the prologue that we see in peter jackson's lotr fellowship movie where the prophecy is stated there and then when we have that scene in front of the skull of balerion Mm -hmm. it's just sort of okay like now that i've named you my heir there's something you should know and we just kind of fade away from that we don't need the performance we don't need the dialogue there we've already had it nodded to and we're connecting that
0: yeah i feel that could have worked yeah, well it didn't happen that way and so we're stuck right. with it <laughs> and on that happy or unhappy note because you're all let's be honest you're all going to tune in next week right so this is all nonsense of right of course <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a low barrier to entry isn't it not infuriated yet for all of us who survived <laughs> right? the frames. Right? Um, it- it's different. But it feels, it's different. And I feel we're in a good place. Thank you to all my fellow wolves from across the world. Um, this has been an inclusive wolfcast for joining. Shall we give it a final Aru for the, for the peoples?
1: Ooh.
6: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what is still may oh. never die. <laughs>
0: Quentin is alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just you guys make me happy. You really do. Right. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you. I hope you guys are at home. I hope the listener enjoyed it. If so, tune back in. There'll be another dragon cast and wolfcast next week. Um, in the meantime, check us out on the Vassal of Kingsgrave Discord. Search for V O K podcast, WordPress.com, Twitter, you'll find the link. And we hope to we hope to debate and discuss all of this with the sake. Bye everyone. Bye.
6: Oh bye, bye. 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 bye.